When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. To left center, deep, gone, Brewers lead it. And a swing and a miss, he struck him out. Down the line, and that's the ball game. Hey Brewers fans, welcome to episode six of Brewers Unfiltered. We have a big episode coming up here. The offense showed some big pop. We just found out that two players are actually winning some pretty big awards for things they've accomplished in the last month and the last week. And we have a very, very special guest on the episode. I'm sure you read in the title. David Stearns is joining us. But first, I'm joined by the brilliant Adam McAlvey and play-by-play superstar Tim Dillard, who just got a weekend in Pittsburgh in the broadcast booth. Guys, last week we talked about the offense and how it was too early to worry, and Adam, the guys, (laughs) proved us right. Well, it's incredible what like two huge days will do to change your mood, right? Two huge days and then a little reminder in the series finale that baseball is really hard and things change very quickly based on who the pitcher is that day. So it was a weekend of baseball with a capital B. Yeah, and ebbs and flows, right? I mean, we're in Pittsburgh, we... Uh, you know, have some good offensive displays. We squeak out some wins and then there's offensive explosions against the Cubs. And then, like you said, depending on who the pitcher is, Marcus Stroman comes out and offense doesn't do quite as well. But Marcus Stroman also is a pretty good pitcher. So makes sense. Tim and I didn't even get lunch. Oh, sorry, Tim. I was just going to say we didn't get lunch in Pittsburgh. Why? Why did I know we we should have pierogies was going to be the thing, right? Next time. What's your next next series that you have? Uh, you know, the, the color duties. Um, I think I'm going to San Diego and then possibly <laughs> St. Louis at the end of May. So that'll be fun. Wow. Okay. San Diego. I have a breakfast spot. Ooh, you breakfast, know what? Brunch in San I Diego like on me. So that works on me. And you know what? On you? You guys like yeah. bring Scholarship. pod producer Ezra Siegel because he's going to be on that trip. Yeah. Okay. Ezra, Tim and Adam breakfast at the mission in San Diego. And we will do a review afterwards. Perfect. But. You know, sometimes we're going to have some important people join the pod. And right now we have a pretty big guest waiting for us. And I'm not one to keep this guy waiting. So, Adam, Tim, I'm going to step out. I'm going to let the big guns handle this one and let you talk to President of Baseball Ops, David Stearns. Tim and I are here with David Stearns, the Brewers President of Baseball Operations. David, thank you for coming on to do this. You are the first interviewee for this podcast. So, Congratulations. I'll, I'll take the congratulations. I feel like this is a, a milestone for me in my tenure here. I had a, a couple of, of goals when I took over here. Um, the first was get into a Tim Dillard video. We, <laughs> we, we accomplished that, Tim, a couple years ago. You had, me, clean, you had me cleaning some lunch tables. Um, <laughs> and you were all so suited up, too. I, it was a good look. It was it a was. good look. Um, second, get on to the Tim Dillard and Adam McAlvey podcast. So we're doing this. Wow. Um, third, win a World Series. So we haven't gotten to that one yet, but we're, we're, we're working on it. So I'm, You got I the am, two I'm, most I'm, important out of the I, way, clearly. I'm sure Mark feels the same way. Um, yeah, let's... <laughs> Hopefully Mark hasn't subscribed yet. You yeah, need to we, get him, but yeah. but maybe after this episode. There we go. Um, but I'm, I'm honored to be here. Well, we appreciate it. And, you know, I'm the news guy, so I want to dive in first with news because we've got it in time for this podcast of, of you're down to your 26-man roster, a, a pretty significant change after playing with 28 for the first month of the season. And the news is that Luis Urias, Weicho, is going to be back with the Brewers for the start of this Red Series. So, so David, can you tell us sort of what steps he had to go through over the last month and what you hope he brings after what he accomplished last year? Yeah, he, he's done a great job. And I know this has taken a little bit longer than we had probably hoped or maybe we had foreshadowed when the injury first occurred. But this has really gone in a very logical progression. And, and the key here is 
to get him 100% when he's back. And, and I think we will see a player who physically is 100%. He's gotten 30, 35 plate appearances now in double A. Um, he's played a bunch of shortstop, third base. He's in a good spot physically. His legs feel good. And, and that's what we wanted to get to. Now, I think as we've seen around the league, offensively, it still takes guys a little time to get going because of a shortened spring training, um, because of the cold weather. So we're, we're, we got to work him into our lineup appropriately. Um, I don't think we can expect him to get back immediately to the level that we saw him perform at for much of last year. But we know when this player is going well and when he's right, this is a really good two-way player. It's an above average to elite defensive third baseman. Uh, it's a guy with growing confidence that we saw last year, and, and it's a player who is coming into his own offensively. This, this is a guy who had 20-plus home runs last year who at periods was able to hit in the middle of our lineup. And, and if we can add that type of player ultimately over the course of the year, that's going to really improve our team. Yeah, I was really impressed just the way with Luis Arias so young, being able to take walks but then also show the power. Uh, that's pretty good combination for a young guy. Uh, David, let me ask you, Brewers 15 and 7 in April. What's something that stood out to you? I mean, this is the fourth best April the Brewers have ever had. Uh, what's something that you saw uh, with this team and where it's going? Well, we're built on we're built on run prevention, and we've we've talked about that a lot. And so first and foremost, that's what I'm looking at, and that we've gotten through the first month with a healthy pitching staff, with a pitching staff that's really picked picked up right off right where it left off um, last year uh, you know that's that's a really good sign um, and it, it gives me confidence going forward that the foundation of this team is strong and the foundation of this team is what we had anticipated we've seen signs of our offense coming around over the last week we've had some big outbursts uh, on that side of the ball clearly we have to get a little bit more consistent to score runs more consistently but we're controlling the zone really well that's the foundation for everything we do offensively is controlling the zone. So that's going well. Uh, we've started to get into damage a little bit more. And, and I anticipate as, as we get through the summer months and, and as it warms up, we'll, we'll get to that damage a little bit more consistently. Nice. Yeah, that'll be my only like real baseball question for you, David. <laughs> <laughs> I was told, yeah, be formal on at least one. <laughs> you checked it off the box. Yeah, way to go, way to go Tim. Yeah, way yeah, to go, yeah. David. GMs everywhere around baseball are trying to figure out offense right now because for a couple of years, this like pitchers rule Major League Baseball right now. How, how do you analyze what you see from your hitters and decide whether like this is just the environment or whether there's room for improvement? So I, I think the answer is both. This is the environment and there is room for improvement. Um, we are in a era in baseball that favors the pitcher. And, and we could devote an entire podcast to why that might be. Um, Let's they, do it. They, yeah, we'll, we'll lose <laughs> listeners as we go. Um, the, uh, the, there are a ton of reasons for it, right? I mean, we, we've all covered them all at various aspects. The technology right now probably favors pitchers over hitters a little bit. Um, training may favor pitchers over hitters a little bit. And we're just arming our pitchers with so much information on how to get hitters out every single night. It, this is a really tough world to hit in right now. Um, so that that's that's first as we acknowledge the environment we're in. And second, we do think there's room for improvement. And that, that's our jobs is to find improvement, uh, to find ways as an organization that we can improve in every aspect and, and clearly offensively is one of them. I think we're headed in the right direction. Um, we've made some changes throughout the organization over the past, let's say, two, three years in, in how we train, um, in how we seek to get better as hitters. And I think we're beginning to see some dividends there. And that, that's really exciting to me. David, I, I feel like you're the, you're the baseball you know, operations uh, president. I feel like you could pull this off. Have you ever taken batting practice on the field or wanted to or ground balls? Uh, maybe head out for batting practice and shagging the outfield a little bit. I'm just curious because I just feel like you could do that if you wanted to. That, that feels like a really bad look, right? That, that, <laughs> no, I'm not, that's, nobody's that's, recording. That's, yeah. There's always someone recording. I think that's one thing I've learned in this job. There, there is always someone recording. Um, I have never done that. Really? Uh, uh, when I was an intern with the Pittsburgh Pirates in 2005 in the GCL, 
in in Bradenton, Florida, um, I would throw batting practice occasionally. That's awesome. Um, and it one on that team, uh, he does not remember this, but on that team, Andrew McCutcheon, he had just been drafted uh, by the Pirates. Um, went was assigned to the GCL that year, and uh, I was an intern for that for that group. So. Um, that is the closest I have gotten to any to a major league field. Have you talked to him about this uh, this tie? I, I I did. We we've talked about it. Um, I don't think he actually. But did this help you sign him? Did this help no, you land this, him and lure him no, to Milwaukee? This, he was this, kind in two thousand five. It's like yeah, we need this guy. Good guy. <laughs> this was uh, uh, this had nothing to do with the recruitment process, but just reinforces that this is a really small baseball world. <laughs> that, that's, that's so cool. I didn't know that when I asked the question. I feel so good about myself. Thank you, David. Yeah. Probably that you know there probably was a day where the GM normally threw BP. It was when they were manager GMs. When the guys said, you know, what Whitey Herzog did that for the Cardinals, and it was more common back in the day for like the manager to also be the GM. That's enormous power. That 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 is enormous power. Um, Could, our, is our, that even possible? No, that's not possible today. Our operations have grown so much. Um, the manager has so much on his plate uh, to begin with. Um, front offices has so have so much on their plate. Um, I mean, the number of roles are expanding for a reason. I think I think condensing it back down would be really challenging right now. Can you just off that, David? Tell us about the relationship between you and Craig Council and how much contact there is, how much input you and the front office has on what happens on the field and the decisions on the field. Um, how how closely are these two things, the front office and the field staff, tied together? If we're functioning well, they're really close. And, and I think the best organizations have um, very close functioning relationships between what's going on in the front office and what's going on in the dugout. And, and they have to be where the players um, that are, are on the roster um, are, are put on the roster because of a particular skill set. The coaching staff has to understand and recognize that skill set, leverage that skill set. Um, and so there has to be a back and forth. Uh, on everything we do, both in terms of the transactions that we make as a front office and then how Craig and the rest of our coaching staff intends to use our players. We, we have to understand all sides of that um, and then make the best decisions recognizing everyone's input. And, and we've been really fortunate here that um, we've been able to do that. And you know, Craig is um, very open-minded um, to, to ideas that we bring to him. And, and we try to be similarly open-minded when he's given us feedback. And, and that's true with all of our coaches. Chris Hook gives us tremendous feedback. Um, you know, our hitting coach group is, is new this year, but they're um, gaining comfort in, in giving us feedback as well. Pat Murphy gives us feedback, Jason Lane, really that, that entire group. And that's very helpful to us because they're looking at the game and experiencing our team in a very different context and from a very different lens than, than I am and that we are in the front office. So I think we're better when we're all talking. Uh, we're better when we're, we're getting everyone's viewpoint and then we do the best we possibly can to, to make the best decisions. But it's not all business though, right? I mean, you guys are friends, you talk about stuff, maybe what you're currently streaming right now on streaming platforms. <laughs> right? what, are, what are you currently streaming on streaming platforms, Tim? What's, what's uh, your I tried to get to? into yeah Halo on uh, Paramount Plus Okay, because um, okay. I played the video game uh, coming up the minor leagues. You know, we would drag TVs yeah. into different rooms on road trips and play Halo against each other. Uh, the TV show is okay. Um, I wouldn't suggest it yet because it hasn't fully gotten through its first season, but... Enough about me. What about you? What are you streaming? <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I, it may shock you. I don't watch a ton of, um, I don't watch a ton of TV um, out, outside of baseball. I watch a lot of baseball, too much baseball probably. Sure, sure. Um, trying to think what my wife got. Like other games, David, like you go home at the end of a Brewers game and flip on the West Coast games. Um, I, I do most nights. Yeah. Most nights I'll go home and, wow. and watch a game um, or catch up on what's going on. Uh, around the league. Um, I used to do that a lot consistently deep into the night before I had kids. Um, now, <laughs> yeah. now when I go home, I may do that for an hour or so. And then, then it's time to get to bed because I know what's happening at five 30 in the morning. So, um, so, uh, but, but yes, I, I, I watch a lot of baseball. Um, I try to know what's going on around the league. My wife got into Schitt's Creek, um, so I, I we ran through that a little bit. Um, that was hilarious. Uh, in, enjoyed that. Fantastic um, show. Yeah, Re really, really <laughs> smart, funny. Um, 
Uh, other than that, I haven't I haven't gotten through a, a show in a while. Uh, I'm deep into Ozark right now, so I would not get in my way. Like if we <laughs> encounter each other out on the road, like don't cut me off right now. Give Adam I'm, his I'm space. in a very strange mindset. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I got gotcha. you. David, how about podcasts? I mean, besides Brewers Unfiltered, which is your favorite podcast Absolutely and you've followed favorite. every episode so far. Clearly. Are you a podcast guy at all driving to and from? I'm not. I'm still an old school radio guy. Um, oh, and that, that's actually um, like my my 20 minutes of Zen every day. Um, I try not to get on the phone when I'm in the car coming to work. Um, at the end of the day, when I'm going home, I try not to get on the phone going back. I just listen to the radio um, and and try to get out of my head a little bit. And so that's music or like music. Uh, are you an in- music? Music. Okay. Yeah. Um, and that's 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 kind of my my way to start my day and get my brain going and, and hopefully a way to, um, to flush my brain a little bit at the end of the day when I'm heading home. And just in case any, um, highway patrolmen are listening, he's not definitely not on my phone in the car. <laughs> of <laughs> just course not. Strictly no. radio. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Old school dial FM radio. Nice. Yeah. I, I, I guess one of the things that we wanted to talk about just having you on here is every time we see you, you know, you're, you're addressing about something with the team and we just kind of really wanted to come together and just get to know you a little bit more and, uh, and ask, yeah, you want to be in a Shit's Creek video with me sometime in the coming homestand. I think that would be great. I, we'll listen to our listeners, see what they have to say. D- David, here's one thing I've always wanted to ask you and never had the chance. Like when you, when you were hired, what, end of 2015, fall 2015, you and Whitney are moving up to Milwaukee. GMs have, I mean, you could have lived anywhere in town. Um, out in the burbs, you chose to live in the city of Milwaukee, which I always kind of like, east side guy. Yep. Um, how, how did you guys make that choice? And, and like, are there some east side spots that, that you've come to love? Yeah, l- let me run you through how this decision-making process worked, because this was, this, this was about as convoluted as it, as it gets. Now, we have ended up in, in a wonderful place. We're on the east side. We love it. Um, we probably saw 35 houses. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not exaggerating. <laughs> our, our realtor almost fired us. Um, so my, my, my now wife, Whitney, and I had, had just gotten engaged about a month before I got this job. Um, neither of us had ever owned a house. Um, I had never lived in a house. I grew up in the city, had always lived in apartments. We had, you know, at that point, we were kind of just still getting to know each other, right? Like we had no clue what, we were actually looking for. Um, so we ran this per, poor realtor like all over, all over Wisconsin. I mean, like we're, we're up to Mequon, Cedarburg, um, out to Brookfield, may have even gone out to Waukesha. Um, and so finally I, I uh, you know, I, I, I like, we have to come up with a better way to do this. So um, my wife and I each independently created a list of traits in a house or a location that were really important to us. I wanted us to each like put down like 10 traits um, and then weight them all. So like, this is, this is the most important. This is less important. Um, And then I got it and I did a combined weighting. And I'm like, right here, this is what's going to guide our search for, for our house after we've seen all of Wisconsin and seen 30 homes. Um, And so the top two, Top two, um, modern construction, open floor plan. Um, so what did we buy? We bought a home that was built in 1895 where the ground floor is chopped up into rooms the size of a closet. Um, and so how, how did we get there? We got there because we fell in love with the neighborhood. Um, and and it's, it's a super walkable, we're in a super walkable area. We can get to all sorts of parks real quick. We can get to Bradford Beach real quick. Um, a bunch of restaurants on, on Downer or Oakland. Um, so we, we love the neighborhood. We've lucked into just incredible neighbors all around us. Um, and so as our family has grown and we've, uh, we now have two kids, um, it's, been, it's been the perfect spot. Um, so we, we had absolutely no idea what we were doing. Um, and, and through um, probably really good fortune, uh, we ended up in, in a great spot for us. So the same discipline you 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 know this that sounded like a metaphor for acquiring a player. Yeah, hopefully I'm doing up, hopefully know, I'm doing a better job following our process acquiring a player than I did buying <laughs> buying. Our I was home. just gonna say yeah, I, on the player side you seem to be pretty yeah, disciplined. On the home like side that. you follow the yeah, heart. Yeah, we follow we follow, we follow the heart and and also just got tired of going out seeing homes. Um, 
And, and <laughs> for me, walkability was a huge factor for me, the ability to, to get up and be able to walk to a coffee shop, um, be able to, to walk to a park. Um, you know, if you want to get a drink, walk to go get a beer. Um, that's, those are the types of environments I'd lived in my entire life. Um, and, and we were able to find that. And so it's been great. What's your favorite part of the job, David? Favorite part? Um, look, there, there are probably a couple. Um, you know, the first is the subject matter I deal with on every single day. With pretty much everything I do is baseball, right? This is, this is um, in that way, this is, in many ways, this is a dream. You, you grow up, you fall in love with a sport. Um, you play it because you love it. You follow it because you love it. You read about it because you love it. And then now as an adult, I get to do this every single day and they compensate me to show up to work. You know, that's, that's kind of, that's kind of crazy, right? I <laughs> the mean, bonus. Yeah. Yeah. You, bonus. Like yeah. take a step back and like, wow, um, this is incredible. Um, so that's, that's the high level. That's why we all start at this thing. And, and um, hopefully that propels you to really enjoying your job. And for me, it has. And, and then I think the other part is, is, is the, one of the benefits I think of working in sports that's maybe a little bit different from working in a, in a different industry or a different environment um, is that we, we do feel like teammates. It's sort of, it's, it goes beyond colleagues or coworkers or um, people down the hall. We, we spend so much time together and we're all so fixated on one particular goal. And, and for us, it's winning games and ultimately winning a World Series. Um, that you do get into this teammate mode. And, and it's why, you know, Tim, you can speak to this, is why players love being in the clubhouse um, and love that camaraderie. And I think the benefit of working for a sports organization that extends even to the front office is, is you can develop that type of camaraderie as well. And it makes coming to work a, a really enjoyable and more feeling more part of your life and part of your lifestyle than, than going into a job every day. David, the famous story that's told, maybe some of the listeners haven't heard it, is you laying in bed at night listening to the Mets and a, what a radio that you hit under your pillow, just like in a movie, and throwing a ball against the wall, and then, what, having to do a little damage control, right? Did you use a poster to cover up some holes in the wall? Yeah, you, you've done your research. I don't know where that one was printed, but that is that is, that is absolutely accurate. Um, so I, both those are accurate. I would, I would um, go to bed... Um, at whatever bedtime my mom told me to go to bed and, and would hide a, an old <laughs> Sony Walkman with headphones under my pillow. And then when my mom would close the door, I'd turn it on and, and listen to the Mets game. Um, and then uh, as I got a little bit older, um, I would set up pillows. Um, I was a pitcher in high school and, and junior high, and I would set up pillows kind of on top of my bed against the wall um, and then throw against the pillows. <laughs> Um, and, and occasionally I'd miss. And as I got older, um, and my arm strength got marginally better. Um, I would dent the wall. Uh, and so I would, you know, position either pillows or posters or anything I could to cover that up. My mom didn't know about this until, uh, I was in college, maybe my sophomore year of college when she went to sell the apartment and, uh, you know, was cleaning up taking things down and noticed these, you know, a dozen baseball sized dents <laughs> in the bedroom wall called me and asked me if I knew anything about it. And, and of course I did. So, so yeah, I mean, this is, look, if, if you're, if you're falling asleep or, or staying awake as the case may be to, to listen about a subject matter and to root for a team, and then you get to, um, then you get to go to work um, in that environment every single day. It, it's pretty special. Well, David, I think we probably have to stop. We could go on forever. We hope you come back sometime if this podcast survives, which I'm sure it will and thrive. No question. But we, uh, we appreciate it. It's just fun to talk a little bit about the team, but also, like Tim said, to hear about you. We, we don't get that opportunity all the time to, to hear a little bit about your background and the stuff you do when you're not general managing and president of baseball operationing. My pleasure. I'm happy to do it. And uh, hopefully uh, we have another good month and you guys ask me back and uh, and I will do it again. Ooh, the monthly check in. Can we make that happen? If we keep winning. Yeah. If okay. if, uh, <laughs> if, May, if May doesn't go as well, you may not see me. But, but yeah. 
Okay. We'll wait for a good month and then we'll we'll have you in to talk about how good things are going. Perfect. Nice. (laughs) Thanks, Thanks, David. David. All right, guys. That was pretty fun. You know, it was kind of nice to get to know David the person, right, Tim? That was awesome. He he did great. (laughs) If you're not putting dents in your wall, do you really love baseball? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was good. That was good. I said, for me, it was the garage. I thought about like throwing pitches or hitting tennis balls against my garage. My poor father let me do it, you know, and put dents all over our, our garage in, in New Berlin. I, I liked it because Dave, I, I said this to Tim and, and Brad off air. D- David is on TV. People have seen him, but it's always business. We never get an opportunity like we do with some of the players, like we do with Craig Council a lot. Uh, to like get to know him a little bit. So I thought it was really cool. And I, I, I just love that he's an East side guy, you know, God bless everybody in the suburbs. I love you too. I grew up in the suburbs, but I just love that he lives in the city. I think that's, I think it's cool to have a GM. It's cool when your GM lives in the city and walks for coffee. Well, I think, you know, you did some background checks, right? <laughs> for some of your questions. And I didn't, I took a shot in the dark asking him about the batting practice thing. And the fact that he has thrown batting practice to Andrew McCutcheon, it blows my mind. And I mean, I did, but it was in a game. He, it was batting practice to him. Sure. But <laughs> I just, that the, what a the, great the, connection. the thing I forgot to ask him about, and I wish I would is his, he has a history as a journal, as a sports writer. And if he, since he promised to come back, I'm, I'm going to just save that little story in my back pocket. You guys remind me, Ezra Siegel will remind me <laughs> next time we have David on to ask him about, you know, the Harvard Crimson and his, you know, what might've been, we might've been colleagues. We might have been equals, and instead he's much, 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 much higher. Yeah, that was you in in some parallel reality. (laughs) You're the GM, and he's. Oh, that would be amazing! (laughs) Then I could get in the pitching lab. My dream. Sign me, please. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, thanks so much, David, for joining us. We hope you all enjoyed it. We're going to take a very quick break, but when we come back, we'll choose our player of the month. We'll discuss Weicho's return and more. Stick around. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right. In in the words of the great Justin Timberlake, it's going to be May. And that means our first full month of baseball is finished, guys. Oh, I just winced we so hard. We had a crazy month. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's gonna look, be- I am the social media manager. That means I meme. And uh, when it's a uh. meme that everyone does on May 1st, I have to do it. Well, everyone does on April 30th. Yeah. Well, right. It's like singing Go Cubs Go after a Cubs game. The Cubs are going to win today. And I'm, I always think to myself, this is a song to be sung before the game. But the Cubs yeah, well, sing it after song. the game. It doesn't make any sense. It shouldn't be sung at all. It was a all. song to advertise <laughs> them being a certain <laughs> TV station. It does, it, the song doesn't make sense. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I di- we, uh, sorry, Brad. I trampled you there. No, no, no. We, can, I, we should have an hour trashing Go Cubs Go. Because <laughs> I have strong feelings about that song. A, I hate that it gets stuck in my head as I'm leaving Wrigley when the Cubs do win. And, but then there's all the problems we kind of got into. Mm-hmm. But big month and a big week. We have Hater, reliever of the month. I, I think everyone knew this was coming. He was so dominant. It, I don't think there was much of a question about this. But then Willie, you know, a three home run, four home run week, takes player of the week. So, you know, some big success there, right, Tim? Yeah, I mean, talking about Josh Hader, he, 10 for 10, perfect in saves. And, you know, he's on pace for 60 saves, right? If you get 10 a month for the whole six-month season, yeah. that's 60 saves. Only one other person did that. I had to look it up. Do you know who it is? Anyone? Uh, isn't it K-Rod? Yeah, it is K-Rod. Oh, very good. You oh, hit wow. the same yeah, former brewer, great. the same uh, search en- engine I used. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he had 62 saves back in 2008 for the Angels, so... Yeah, former teammates right there uh, getting saves. And, I mean, that's huge. If you want to lock up a win, I mean, that's the way to go. So good for Josh Hader. Good job, brother. I'm telling you, Josh Hader is underrated. And I will I will die on this hill. He has the highest strikeout rate of all time. And I think that when we watch it every day, 
it becomes automatic. And maybe it's some of the postseason, you know, he's had the nature of that job is you sometimes have tough moments. And when you have tough moments and you're a closer in the postseason, they're like the last thing anybody remembers. So Hader has unfortunately had some of those tough moments, but this guy is like one of the best relievers of all time, the highest strikeout rate ever. He's arguably the nastiest reliever ever. And I just don't think we notice that. I don't think we appreciate it because it's happening every day. I think it's, I mean, maybe underrated, like, you know, in, in and around baseball from like maybe a fan's point of view, because there are so many good pitchers out there, but in the baseball clubhouses, everyone knows how good this guy is. Every team scrolls in and they're just like, man, if it's three runs or less, be careful guys. Cause we're getting Josh Hader coming out of that bullpen hair and arms and legs flying everywhere. So yeah, it may be, you know, he's maybe a little underrated outside of the clubhouse, but man, these teams know who he is and they know how good he is. Well, the voters spoke. They chose Josh Hader for reliever of the month, but let's have a little fun ourselves. Talk about our players of the month. Adam, who's your April player of the month after, you know, for the first three weeks of the season? Well, it, for me, it's got to be a pitcher. Normally, I'm a, I am one of those old school guys that wants to do a position player, the guy playing every day partly because there are pitcher awards, yada, yada, yada. But on this team, this this team was 15 and 7 in April because of the pitching. And I think Eric Lauer was the key to the month. Um, the, the Brewers' three highest strikeout percentages are, of course, Josh Hader at 44.1%. Devin Williams is at 40%. And then not Corbin Burns, but Eric Lauer, 36.6% strikeout percentage in the month of April. And he was just phenomenal and became the first. Le- Any Teddy Higuera reference is going to get me, let's just be honest. <laughs> right. You're going to win me over. So the, the first lefty, the only lefties to st- double have double-digit strikeouts in consecutive starts in Brewers history, it's Teddy Higuera in 1988 and Eric Lauer in 2021. So I think, um, you know, a lot of teams have their version of Burns and Woodruff. Not a lot of teams have a fifth starter, fourth starter, whatever, wherever you want to put Lauer that is doing what Eric Lauer did in the month of April. And the reason you think it's the, the question for Craig Council and Chris Hook is, is this sustainable, which is a fair question. But the argument is that, you know, it is because this goes back to really the start of last July, the end of last June. So he's been doing this now for quite a long time, been very, very good. And to have that depth in the rotation, it is a pretty powerful tool for Craig Council. Tim. Well, in talking with Stearns, yeah, he he was talking about the foundation is the pitching staff. It is the starting yeah. staff. Um, and I was going to say Lauer, so I can't <sighs> say that. <laughs> but I had a backup choice. It's Cy Young Award winner Corbin Burns. That's pretty good. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to add his May 1st start into his numbers just because it's one day, right? And we had the, you know, the game, the, the season got started just a little bit late. So for me, he's first in innings pitched across baseball. He's got a sub two ERA, his first in strikeouts with 43. He has a nice cool who whip of 0.73. And he's got four quality starts. And the team has 11. He has four of them. I mean, it's just, but those two guys, Lauer and Burns, what, what we've seen from them is just getting better each start. And it's, we almost shouldn't be surprised by it by now. But as a pitcher, I am, it's amazing. It's amazing how these guys can make adjustments and get better each time and get stronger, go deeper into games and be more efficient because at this level, uh, that's not a normal thing. And we, maybe we take it for granted, but it's, it's amazing to watch. The thing about Burns that stands out to me is I don't think he's that happy with how he's pitching. Yeah, right. <laughs> like he's happy with the results, but I think when we talk to him after games, it's like, there's always like three or four things that he wants to do better. And this the, the May 1st start that Tim's talking about on Sunday, um, that was a game where, like, he made some mistakes. And he made a mistake to Patrick Wisdom after that, you know, Burns had this 13 up, 13 down to start the game and, like, on, like no pitches. Um, then he made a mistake and got hit for a home run. And then he made a, a couple. He said three bad curveballs in a row to say a Suzuki and then paid the price for that. And there, there you go, two runs and didn't get any support. So, it's encouraging. And I think from the Brewers point of view that if you ask Burns, he's not pitching at the top of his game and the results are elite like they were last year. Well, when you talk about a guy that's going out there and he can say, yeah, through these three bad pitches, it's like, yeah, that's pretty good <laughs> over, over seven innings. Like that's incredible. Um, I was okay with the Patrick wisdom one. I mean, he took advantage of a, a pitch that wasn't great, but to just do damage on it. I mean, that's all he could do was a solo home run. 
Uh, but yes, the curveballs to Suzuki, he was getting some good swings. The foul ball right before that, I was like, you can't throw that pitch again. Uh, and he did and kept it fair down the left field line. That right there was probably the one that he, if he could take all of them back, he'd probably take that one back. Um, but yeah, just when you can be so good that you can just single out just a couple of pitches through, you know, through seven innings, that is, it, it's incredible. I couldn't do that facing a bunch of little leaguers. <laughs> we were on, we were on no hitter alert early yesterday. Like some days, I don't know, Tim, if you get this, but like some days you get a, you just get a feeling and the way the first inning went nine pitches, it was like, okay, here we go. Uh, the only one other time I remember that happening was the Brewers were in Detroit and Justin Verlander threw a no hitter. And in the fourth or fifth inning of the game, like, you know, we, it was like, it was like going to be a no hitter. And I, I don't know if he'd appreciate or not me saying this, but Dan Larea, the Brewers director of travel was there. And it was the day where there were actually tickets, like where players asked for tickets. They actually got handed tickets, you know, back in the old days before the ballpark app. And he was like, you guys, just in case this happens, you want to have a ticket for this game? Like just to like have for your records. So I have a ticket somewhere of the Justin Verlander, no hitter game. Wow. Um, just because you could feel it coming the whole way. You, could, you just knew, And yesterday definitely had that feel. And then Patrick wisdom, I think reminded us how hard it is to pitch a no hitter. Do you have that ticket on that bulletin board behind you, Adam? <laughs> no, no, I don't. Just honky tonk man and. I have other important things. The honky tonk man <laughs> is behind me. Yeah, my name tag. Oh, speaking of Dan Larea, he got us into the prices right one year. Ooh. We had uh, seats right behind, what do they call it? Contestants row? Showcase? No, what do they call it? Right behind where they bid. The four podiums. So everybody sure. comes down and like does yeah. the high fives with the people yeah. in the row right behind you. I was the high fiver. You high five. So I like, got people? to high five everybody Aww. when they came down. And then the last person to get called, you know, you're the, come on down. And comes on and I put my hand up and I'm it's right on TV and I'm so eager. And then they just totally you know, what do you left me left me hanging. And it's just horribly embarrassing. Well, that was fun. Glad I could bring that up. Yeah, thanks. My player of the month, I'm just going to, since we didn't say him, although the voters picked him, I'm going to go with Hater, because like Adam said, he's dominant, but when he gets in these stretches of extra dominance it's even more special to watch and you can just tell he's been on one lately that guy has been peak hater this month and it's always so much fun to watch when you just know hitters aren't going to be able to touch what he's bringing and durable like day after day after day that's the key and that's the change yeah he pitched four out of five days down one of those stretches i mean that that right there is tough to do yeah as a pitcher. and it really i mean when you're looking at when the offense was struggling and you'd are getting these one to two run ratios and you it's so important to know you can turn it over to that guy and just get out of the game and not really have to worry about if the offense doesn't show up that day we know the offense will show up but we also know all offenses have off days so when you have hater when you have this rotation it it definitely takes the burden off of them knowing like okay if we can just get a couple on the board we're probably going to be good here because with this staff that's all you need well you could almost bring up Devin Williams as well he has eight holds I mean that's first in Major League Baseball right now he's not tied with anybody he's first he's on pace for right. 48 holds I did the math with my phone calculator <laughs> and uh that's yeah that would be that would be a record look anytime we get Tim to do math it's <laughs> yeah I didn't sign up <laughs> for this I'm out of here we're focusing <laughs> We're talking so much about this rotation, and we knew it was going to be the focus point coming in. After an absolutely dominant week from all the starters, is it crazy to think this rotation could even be better than last year? Tim, I mean, we're looking at something really special here. I mean, it's you could. there's ones and twos. They have a six-man rotation of ones and twos, um, and they all do it different ways. You look at Hauser, he's doing fantastic. Look at Ashby. Ashby's at the top of the list for grounded into double plays. I mean, who's a guy throwing 97 sinkers? He's getting double plays, balls on the ground, striking people out. Um, Lauer, Burns, Woodruff, Peralta coming around with Woodruff. I, I mean, it's it's. I think everyone picked him to be the best rotation in baseball, and, and they're proving that. And some of them haven't even you know uh, hit their stride yet. Well, and the other guy I'll say is Ethan Small, five starts at AAA, 2-0, ERA. 1.07 whip, 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 as Tim would say. Cool. Whip. So, you know, he's the guy kind of waiting in the wings should they need uh, someone to make a spot start here or there, which which history says they will, that, that they'll use more guys. So 
Um, it's a very good rotation. And, and I think what they have, like Eric Lauer talked about this the other night, confidence. Um, they, have, they have the confidence having done it last year. It's a uh, nebulous <laughs> thing to try to figure out when you're developing pitching. And sometimes, um, you know, I could go back in my Twitter feed and find all the comments about how Corbin Burns is garbage and Eric Lauer is garbage. I encourage everyone to go on Adam McAlvey's feed <laughs> and bring up all of those things. You know, and look, Brandon Woodruff, probably, if you went back, you could find that where people oh. didn't like what he was doing. Adrian Hauser, when the ground balls are getting through and he's getting hit hard. Um, it takes a lot of patience to develop pitching, but if you do it and you get the right guys, it can pay off in a huge way. And that's, I think, what we're seeing. So, look, the stat that that I mentioned after Lauer's outing and it, you know, it sounds random, but since last June 27th, and the reason that's the date is like, that's when Lauer found his stride. Remember, he was like piggybacking early and back and forth bullpen starting. Then in like mid-June, he he started starting, <laughs> for not to word it very well, but he like got in the rotation yep. and he had two starts where he was like building back the pitch count that weren't great. In start number three, he got grounded. So if that's your starting date, and you look at the guys who've thrown at least 70 innings in Major League Baseball since that date, the, the Brewers have three of the top five. I mean, it's pretty impressive. It's Julio Arias is, is number one, 12 and one with a 204 ERA since the end of last June. Ranger Suarez in Philly, who's really good. The Brewers saw him a couple of weeks ago. Um, he's at 208. Then you go Lauer, Burns, Hauser. So, I mean, that's very, very good. And we're talking about over a long period of time, 104 innings for Lauer in that span, 125 for Burns and 88 for Adrian Hauser. So um, that that's that shows that that shows some staying power, and it shows that these guys have developed some confidence over what happened in the second half of the regular season last year, and they're bringing it into this year. Right, and I think the funny thing is we're talking about how great this rotation is compared to last year. And Woody and Peralta haven't even reached the consistent peak of their performances. I think they'd be the first to tell you that. We've seen some top-level classic Woodruff starts, but then we've seen some where he struggles a little bit. You know, he gave up four runs in Pittsburgh, which I'm sure he would tell you isn't something that he would consider peak performance. And then, you know, Peralta's been pretty good these last couple starts, but started off rocky. So we're really looking at talking... We're talking about this as the best rotation in pitching or for in Brewers history, the best rotation in baseball. And there's still plenty of upward trajectory. I mean, Adam mentioned Corbin Burns isn't happy with his performance. So these are guys who aren't happy with their stuff right now. There's nowhere to go, but there's up for these people. And that's insane for the amount of ability and success they've already had and shown to see upward trajectory. It's kind of scary what could be next. Well, you start talking about amazing rotations. You look at last year and you're coming into this year, possibly getting even better. That's what we should ask David Stearns. Be like, okay, this is the this is special, what they have going. That's the foundation. You said that yourself. What pieces are going to come next? And how much, you know, I don't know if we're allowed to ask questions like that. <laughs> but like, you know, what, what do you think you're going to be able to do come, you know, whatever it is, trade deadline, you know, that kind of stuff, like, how much leverage do you have? Like what, what's a big piece, that kind of stuff, because it is special and you can't just sit there and go, Oh, we're going to have this year after year. You got to recognize that this is super rare and that you got to capitalize on it when you have it. I think if we have him on again and it's closer to the trade line, we should just ask him who you're going to trade for. And keep in <laughs> mind that the name of this podcast is Brewers unfiltered. Yeah. So you have to tell us. I won't tell anybody. Just tell us in yeah. confidence. Yeah. Tell yeah, us but, into this microphone. We won't say <laughs> yeah, a word. Yeah. Well, the hope is that they don't have to invest in pitching because that can be very tricky. And even, you know, you think back to the, the years the Brewers have picked up pitching at the deadline, you pay a high price for it. And you do so for like really a handful of outings, even a relief pitcher, you're talking about 20 innings, maybe if the guy pitches a lot and it's a high price to pay often. And you showed last year showed that it can be very volatile. I mean, volatile, volatile. 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 John Curtis is a guy that the Brewers were very excited about last year to have for multi-years, and he unfortunately had an injury. So if things go right for them, they probably will be able to bring in the bats they want for whatever position they need at the time yeah. and hopefully not have to worry about the pitching because that can that's a tough thing to trade for. Yeah. We're getting slightly ahead of ourselves here <laughs> since it's May 3rd. Yeah. 
And speaking of bringing in the bats, though, the offense brought the bats. They showed up in the last two series. I mean, we saw a 20-run explosion over two games against Chicago. After the offensive woes we discussed last week, how encouraging was it to see the bats break out, Adam? Well, I'll just tell you that in Pittsburgh, in the clubhouse, um, guys were more uh, willing to talk out loud about how frustrated they were about the baseballs, about the cold, about the fact that they're crushing a ball. Rowdy Telez hit a ball in Pittsburgh that had an expected batting average of like 960 or something. I mean, it was a home run everywhere in the world except for PNC Park on that night with that baseball. And they were starting to get pretty frustrated. And, you know, it's like you talk about hitting his process and they're trying to develop this process. They have the fourth lowest uh, percentage of swings outside the zone which they're really encouraged by and think is going to pay big time dividends as the season goes on. And they're not getting the results because for whatever reason, the cold, the short spring, the baseball, and the two games against the Cubs were very, very well timed because they needed to see some payoff. So look, payoff to the tune of six home runs in one game and nine home runs over the course of two games and 20 runs like that'll play. And I think it was takes a weight off their shoulders a little bit. But then, like I said, you know, Marcus Stroman comes in on the, the finale and shows that this is still can be a very tough game and this is still a pitcher's league. I think you're right about the Pirate series. They were hitting balls so hard. Tyrone Taylor hit a ball to center field. Brian Reynolds caught at the fence yeah. and he kind of, you know, like rolled his head like you'd roll your eyes. And it's not because he made a decent catch at the fence. He was like, why isn't that in that, you know, the P in the bushes up there, <laughs> the, the Pirates in center <laughs> field? That, that's where it should have gone. It should have hit off the batter's eye for sure. Um, above the fence and, phrasing, and watching phrasing. it in real time, you're going, what is going on? Uh, but we do know that there are 30 uh, humidors going across baseball. Uh, it's mandatory now that that's where they store the baseball. So is that playing a factor? You know, having that kind of regulation in places that maybe don't need it? Uh, I have no idea. But Adam, I think you're spot on for the Cubs series. Guys seeing this in real time, you know, like they hit the ball so hard in Pittsburgh they come back home and they're like, what is going on? Because if the, some of those balls don't go out, um, then, then there's going to be even more questions going around. People are going to be asking so many more uh, you know, controversial questions when it comes to it. But at, have 13, extra, you know, 13 hits and 10 extra base hits in that first game against the Cubs. Like, I think they were like, okay, we're fine. We're fine. Yeah, and you got to see it sometimes. Like, and look, this is not new for baseball. The, the, the baseball itself is a topic of conversation this year, but you know, April offense being suppressed, that is not new. And no. anybody who played at County Stadium, I think, anybody who hit, I was just looking at Gorman Thomas hit zero home runs in April 1982 and then tied Reggie Jackson for the home run title. So, like, it, it happens. Um, and the, the warm weather is going to help. It always helps. And I, it's just struck me that the Brewers come home, they get a week in climate-controlled AmFam field, then this next road trip goes Atlanta, Cincinnati, Miami. That's good. Then home again. Then San Diego, I think. So, like, they should be those hand warmers, those nifty uh, fanny packs that we saw in Pittsburgh. <laughs> Hopefully, Jason Schauger gets to, like, put those back in the trunk that he keeps them in until maybe October. <laughs> yeah, November. Yeah. And we'll need the most. <laughs> right. It, we know. We've seen... If you've watched the Home Run Derby especially, we've seen the the science of ball flight and how heat and humidity ex, you know, gets the ball to fly 10 extra feet. So we know that that's going to pay dividends. But I think the biggest thing was, like we were talking about, just so many, I mean, Rowdy especially, crushing balls to the wall. Now seeing those go out, I think, was very rewarding because it's not like like you said, Adam. You look at their offensive profiles. You look at the statistics. They hadn't been playing bad. They just weren't getting the results. Come into climate control, all of a sudden you get the results. Yeah, and, and the and the swinging of good pitches is going to. I mean, that, that's what baseball comes down to, right? Swinging of good pitches, and right in that they, like I said, fourth best um, in baseball at at you know not at fourth lowest swing percentage on pitches outside the zone. That that'll lead to good results in time. Well, there's also, too, it's not just like squaring up every single ball, which we saw years past with the shift. Guys are hitting rockets right at people where they're standing because a computer says, stand right here, and this guy will hit a rocket to you. We're seeing guys hit the ball, you know, through the op opposite field hole. J 
just to get a, a runner over. Like they're doing so many things well on offense. It's it's we can't just sit there and highlight. Yes, it's always home runs or extra base hits. They're finding new and inventive ways to win, not inventive in baseball in general, but specifically to the Brewers, finding way to put runs on the board and turning it over to their bullpen. And great news for the Brewers. We just learned that they might get another offensive boost because Luis Urias is coming back to the team. He was just called up. Ooh. Tim, how big of an addition is it to get Weicho back in the lineup and have that everyday third baseman back there? Uh, yeah, that's well, we saw what he did last year and what he did for the Brewers. He was first in like so many offensive categories. Um, and especially he, he just reached a new level once Adamas showed up and took over everyday shortstop, which, you know, if we're talking about players of the month, Willie Adamas played every single game in April for the Brewers. That's pretty valuable. Um, and to have Luis Arias coming through, that's just such a big pickup for the Brewers to have a guy that has been proven over there and not have to platoon all that much. Of course, he'll, yeah, like David said, he'll platoon a little bit in the beginning, but, uh, for the most part, it's going to be, it's going to be him taking over. Well, it pushes Jace Peterson into a more utility type role, and that's a good thing because he can be very valuable and a, a good, a tough pinch hit at bat. I think Jace Peterson can give you when you have the platoon advantage you want. And the one thing David Stern said I think is worth repeating: like Weicho, Luis Urias, give him a little time. He's going to need some time. He he did not get great results at Biloxi. I don't know what that means. I never know what to make of like rehab assignment stats. His were not very productive, um, so he's still going to need some at-bats, but uh, it, it is a good thing to get that power back in the lineup. Coming off a career year, still very, very young, and um, you know, Craig Council, always, I've, I've probably said this before, he always notes players who got to the big leagues at a really young age, and that was Luis Urias. That signifies big-time talent, and if he can build off last year, uh, that would be a big addition for this offense, just to lengthen that lineup. Yeah, and I think this might be a bad practice of mine, but I always tone down my expectations of Luis Urias and Willie Adamas when they're separated from each other because I always feel like they're at their best when they're together. <laughs> they just seem like that pair where they really lift each other up. So if one's not with the other, I always assume they can do better once they're together because those two really, from the challenge, they, the like brotherly challenge and support they give each other because it's both a you know, competition of like pushing each other, but at the same time, just support too. There, there's so much support between those two and like authentic, like brotherly love that they can really bring out the best in each other. And when you have those people around you, whether it's sports or anything else, it just makes you more comfortable doing what you do. So I always take the rehab stints with a pinch of salt, but even more so when Luis Urias isn't with the guy who brings out the best in him. I, I'm really excited to see what he can do because he showed up so much last year as an important cog for this offense. Even when it comes to just getting on base, that's going to be very important for the bottom of the order, which is where he'll start. Very excited to get him back in the lineup. And seeing him grow defensively so much at third base last year, I, I mean, he looks like he has gold, gold glove potential. There were some throws that, you know, were a little sloppy that he knows he needs to work on. But outside that, he just made some huge plays defensively for the team at the hot corner. And I'm really excited to see where that goes for him. I know when initially he was brought to the team and they were, he was talk like David Stearns would talk about bringing him over to third base. I heard some disappointment. I read some disappointment in fans because he didn't really have the quote unquote third base offensive profile. Last year, he shows that not only does he have the profile, but he has the glove, he has the arm. So I think that's very exciting. And also it's great for Willie Adamas because as Tim mentioned, he played every game in April. Now you can get some off days. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Yeah, because because Urias will play some shortstop, which they didn't really yeah. have a like true backup shortstop before. I think you're you yeah. Know. Brasso could do it, but I don't think you you want to do that unless you have to type of situation. The throws are you know the throws are what he needs to work on, and he knows that. I mean that basically is what made the Adamas trade happen when it did. Is that Urias was yeah. going through a bad stretch of of errors, and it was hurting him, and he was better at that at the, at third base. And you're right about the brotherly love thing. I 
that reminds me of a spring training story that was in the works before Urias got hurt. Those two visited each other in their homeland and spent some time with each other and met the families. And I just thought that was really cool. That, that shows how much they kind of care about each other. And um, it was just, uh, there's a lot of love between the two. Yeah. Which I think Tim can attest is makes the clubhouse and being around your teammates that much easier. All right. We have to go to break now. It has been a great time talking about the fun stuff, but tell you what, it's a rapid round around the corner. And we'll have even more fun when we come back from break. Yay, more fun. Talk to you in a second. (laughs) I know you missed us, but don't worry. We're back, and it's time for the weekly rapid round. We got some quick questions that we're going to ask Tim and Adam, get their answers. You know, I think I start every week with Adam on the rapid round. Today, I'm starting with Tim. Tim, what series are you looking forward to most in May? Uh, I don't know all of them. I mean, I get to work. This <laughs> I get to be in the booth uh, when the team's in San Diego, and I haven't been to San Diego in like ten or eleven years. So I'm looking forward to that one. All right, Adam. What about you? I hate when we do the same answer because it seems yeah. like such a cop out. But I mean, come on, it's San Diego. It's an awesome trip. It's one of the best trips on the schedule every year. And I always have to finagle with my editor uh, a reason why, why I just have to be in San. Oh, I really got to be in San Diego. Uh, <laughs> You know, Laura and Urias are returning for the first time. I really should be in San Diego. But uh, so I'll be in San Diego as well. And I'm definitely <laughs> looking like forward it. to that <laughs> because there's I, I have one of my favorite breakfast spots is in San Diego. And the ballpark is awesome. And um, it's a great trip. Well, mine is the Miami trip, actually, because mm, it's finally my Miami. first new ballpark of the season. Great press box dining. Ooh. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. I, I always I do have the internal ranking system of the press box dining. Because some are trash. (laughs) How edgy do we want to be on Brewers Unfiltered? I'm not going to out anybody, but some are trash. Family Fields boxed meals, Brad. Listen, I love the Reigns service. It's Mm -hmm. great. I'm not going to talk about anything. I'm just saying, when you find a good meal... At the, it's something that then you look forward to coming back. Because yes, well, I'll, I'll just tell you that the scouting report last time I was there, Miami is very, very good. Good salad right. bar, good, good selection. I think you'll salad. enjoy it. And a cool, weird ballpark, and you can see the bobblehead display. And um, yeah, no more. You have to go outside to see the sculpture now. But I, I, I we expect a photo of you at the home run sculpture, which is now right. out out on the concourse. Well, I'll need a cameraman, so I might be recruiting you. Don't you know how to take a <laughs> selfie? I want to like pose with it. I want to oh, be like, you know, full body. I will not be on that leg though. Oh, that's right. You won't. Yeah. Okay. I'll find somebody else. Maybe I'll drag Mike Vasallo. He won't go, but I'll make him. <laughs> <laughs> Adam, who you got? Bucks or Celtics? <laughs> I mean, am I supposed to say Celtics here and then get like hate mail from people? Come on. Yeah. That's the hope. No, no, <laughs> I, I will. Uh, we had the Bucks game on the, the noon start on Sunday was nice because we got to watch a full hour of the game before the Brewers game started. So it was fun to watch them a little bit and they closed the first half great and got a game on the road. So I think that's all very exciting and definitely the Bucks. My, my, I was, I was a uh, Bucks intern before I got my job at MLB.com and I helped them. It was in two, <laughs> it was in 2001, which is quite a long time ago. And it was the anniversary of their championship in 1971 and I was on the phone with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar for a story for the program that we did. I have some copies of that program in the story. And I got a voicemail from the HR head of MLB.com, this brand new company. And I got offered my job while I was on the phone with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. <laughs> Sorry, Kareem. I got to go. I got a job. Bye. <laughs> yeah, it was a great gig. It was a great job. And Dan Smichek, who's the, the Bucks, uh, you know, head of PR, it was there at the time. And I worked for, for Dan. You ask so, of course, his, I'm going to root for the Bucks. Did you ask about Kareem's uh, movie, starring in movies? That's all, all I would it, ask it, Specifically Airplane? I think I was, I think it was more talking about that season. And, and I, maybe if I was a little, well, sure. maybe today I would ask him a little bit more about Airplane. I think at 22, I was just like trying to fumble through my questions about 1971. Airplane so, missed opportunity. Sure. Well, he was also, a, he, he, had a, he had a cameo in... D2, the Mighty Ducks. <laughs> He's on screen for like seven seconds. I do not remember seconds. Kareem yeah. being in D2. There you go. I need to go back and watch it. Yeah, Thank you, Disney Plus. Me. 
dare you? <laughs> I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying it's been 20 years since I've watched D2. Well, that's 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 on you, man. Yeah, that's a once a year right. gig. Tim. Yeah. Bucks or Celtics? Bucks, man. Come on. All right. <laughs> Who do you have? Are you NBA fans? Who do you have on the other side? Who do you have in the West? No, no, I don't know anything about the NBA now that I'm not involved in it. And, it's MLB.com, um, not who's the NBA. Guy, uh, who, who's the the guy from Memphis who did that insane dunk? Um, Morat or uh, yeah, yeah. G- give me Memphis. Okay, give me Memphis. Uh, Tim, who's playing Memphis in that other series? Man, I have no idea. I, all I know is we've talked about Memphis, and I think it didn't uh, Justin Timberlake, like part owner of that. So, you know, for them, maybe it's going to be a good May. <laughs> That's called a callback know. joke. <laughs> I have the Bucks, and I would love to see them beat the Suns again because I thought it was funny last time when all the Suns fans were salty about it, and I'd love to see it come back. All right, Adam. Wait, no, we start with Adam that one. Back to Tim. Oh. Tim, what was your favorite moment of April? Favorite? Oh, favorite moment of April. Um, there was a lot of good moments, baseball-wise or just like personal life? Like what we... Any. Open-ended. <laughs> no, Whatever I'm going, you want. I'm going um, uh, Yelich's bunt, the third game in Pittsburgh in the ninth inning. And I know that doesn't sound cool. And people are out there like, he's not getting paid to, to bunt. You know, he's supposed to be hitting home runs. Uh, every, all those guys are getting paid to win. And, and to make a win happen. And it's it's not really that bunt, which it did lead to a win, but it's everything that encompasses. It was the buzz of the guys talking about it afterwards. It was the sheer surprise on the face of the pitcher going, what is happening right now? That right there, I stood up, I was in the booth and I stood up and I was just like, because I could see it and what that was going to represent moving forward. It doesn't matter who you are. You have a job to do and you are going to, help this team win whatever that looks like in the moment and he talked afterwards adam this might have been your video that scrolled up on my feed not because i follow you but because no i'm just kidding uh but talking about like he didn't even plan to do that bunt yeah uh, he was already walking he was in the box and, he, and it was laid out there for him Saw and then you it. see yeah. him uh, against the cubs when they have that big shift and he rockets a silver bullet to left you don't just hit that ball on a on a oh i accidentally did it you did it because you're looking to do that he's looking to put the ball in play where no one is standing and to get on base and to help this team win. That right there is is going to be a, a spark that's going to light this fire for this team for a long time to come. Adam, favorite moment of April? I have two, and they are um, completely selfish. Uh, one is David Stearns, our fabulous, uh, fabulous guest on this episode of the pod, uh, came up to me in the Wrigley Clubhouse like maybe the second day of the season and said, hey, did you talk to Brasso? I got a story idea for you which he's never said before. I got a story idea for you. Talk to Brasso about Wrigley. And turns out that Mike Brasso, his godfather was the CEO of the Tribune Corp when they owned the Cubs. And Brasso like grew up running around Wrigley and like hanging out with Moises Alou and Aramis Ramirez and like getting the run of the joint. So I talked with him about it. It was this great conversation. And I thought, okay, I'm going to keep that in my back pocket. And hopefully sometime this season, he'll have like a big game or big moment. And I can break this out and have a great Mike Brasso feature off something he does in a game. And the next day he hit a game winning Homer, which is like never happens in journalism where you like plan for something and hope it happens. And then it happens. And the other one was one day when uh, Andy Haynes came back for the first time with the pirates and they visited American family field. I talked to Yelich about Andy Haynes and about hitting and how hard it is and uh, hit the job of the hitting coach. And it can be very unfair and, and all this stuff. And, Again, kind of kept it in my back pocket and thought, okay, sometime maybe I can pull this out for a Yellich story. And that night he hit a grand slam. That night. So, like, those things never happen where you, like, wish the game goes a certain way so you can write something. And they did. So I'm due, like, nothing but devastation the rest of the season. That's never going to happen again. So those are my two favorite moments. You had a good April. Good job. I had a good April. A good <laughs> April. And it shows how much of this uh, job is luck. Um, I had a kid, so you both lose. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I was about to say. Adam, if you could customize your own beer, what would it be? Uh, IPA, hoppy, I'm a hophead. All right. Tim, customize your own beer right now. Yeah, I've had a couple already. Um, yeah, you, you're actually yeah. experienced at this. Yeah, big IPA guy, something hazy, something cloudy. That's the way to go. Feels um, like you're I, eating it I, as you're drinking it. <laughs> <laughs> I love IPAs. I would go with you, but my actual favorite 
beer style is an amber ale. So yeah. I would have a custom amber ale. How where are you where are you on sours? Um I I'm not a big sour guy. Yeah. You are you're always I, upbeat. I, went, I need to go back and try them again though because I it was like IPAs to I was like 10 years late to the punch when everyone got excited about IPAs. So I got to go back and give sours another chance. They're hot. Yeah, they're they're very hot. He's so hot right now. What is that? Uh, that that's Hansel. He's so hot right now. Zoolander, yes. Good save. I can't even fit in the building. <laughs> oh, also, Tim, since I just made a reference, I want to say I did catch your Happy Gilmore reference in the Pittsburgh broadcast when you talked about breaking the bat and putting it back in the woods to be with its family. <laughs> so don't think I missed that. And we'll miss you for the next week, fans of Brewers Unfiltered, because that's it for Adam, for Tim. For me, have a great week. Follow Tim at Dim Tillard on all social media channels. Follow Adam McAlvey at Adam McAlvey on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Check out his stories on MLB.com. Watch Tim on the Bally Sports Wisconsin show. And follow me at Brewers because I am at Brewers. Have a good one.